season is here. You're listening to the 2015 News 104.5 WOKV Hurricane Special. Brought to you by Dimitri Insurance Services and Clay Electrical Cooperative. Now here's your host, Rich Jones. It's not alarmist. There's so much history working against Florida and Northeast Florida specifically. Mother Nature, she's got a way of balancing things out. And that's why anyone in emergency management is worried about complacency setting in. I think it will happen here. It's just a matter of when. So I think encouraging preparedness to our citizens is key as we move forward in the season. I'm Rich Jones. And over the next half hour, we're going to walk you through the reasons why conditions are ripe for being caught off guard. We'll talk about new research and tools that help improve forecasting. And the greatest lessons learned as we mark 10 years since Hurricane Katrina. We begin with Action News Chief Meteorologist Mike Burrish, who says we have the perfect recipe for activity. El Nino is screaming this year low numbers. Statistics say look out. <laughs> so we're somewhere in between. Uh, so the El Nino will be the driving force the way it looks in our hurricane season this year, which means low numbers. Now, that's all it means. Uh, we don't know the intensity of any storms that might develop or exactly, obviously, where they might develop this far in advance or where they'll go. 1992, El Nino year, classic. Six named storms. One of them's Andrew. Hits South Florida, Cat 5. Catastrophic. So we have to be careful with those forecasts because that's really all they are is a numerical number that is just an idea of how many storms, how active the season might be. So we're looking at, at the El Nino, which means a lower number of storms, would seem to dictate a lower number of storms this year, despite the early season development of Ana. The other, uh, couple of other things of interest. The deep tropical Atlantic is unseasonably cool and doesn't look like that'll change a whole lot. That's common in an El Nino season. So what that means is long track tropical storms or hurricanes moving off the coast of Africa are less likely. Could happen. In fact, we'll probably have a couple, but we wouldn't expect to see those be a, a frequent type of storm. So Dora, 1964, was an Africa wave, African wave that moved all the way across the Atlantic. Classic deep tropics, tropical system, tropical cyclone. We wouldn't expect to see that kind of storm necessarily this year. So what are we concerned about? Well, that leads me to the Gulf of Mexico, which is unseasonably warm this year. It's bathwater temperatures. Water temperatures are in the 80s, which means we're probably looking at the peak of the hurricane season that the Gulf of Mexico is probably going to be 90 to 92. Very, very warm. Uh, now, it'll go through some changes. There'll be some up natural upwelling, which is cooling of the water, but it'll likely go right back to that warm state. So the point is, if any storm goes over that area of very warm water, um, similar to, say, some of the storms in 05, the historic hurricane season of Rita and, and Katrina, they'll have some extra energy, some extra juice, if you will, for those storms if they move across the Gulf of Mexico and over that very warm water. So that will be an area of concern, not to mention that statistically, the Caribbean and the Gulf of Mexico the last few years have been remarkably quiet. Uh, we had nothing about the Caribbean last year, nothing at all. That almost never happens. Um, and the Gulf of Mexico has been reasonably quiet, with the exception of the far southwest Gulf of Mexico, which typically doesn't affect the United States. So those are the areas that seem to be of prime concern. And when it's an El Nino year, and some of the indications we've already seen, and Ana would be an example, we're more concerned this year about what we call in-close development. Tropical cyclones that might try to form fairly near land in the Gulf of Mexico or off our east coast, uh, doesn't necessarily mean that they're bad storms or big storms or intense storms because they don't have quite as long to develop, but we have less warning time, less lead time.
And we do have examples in this kind of situation where we have had in-close development that's quickly become very strong. Would you say conditions are also ripe for um, being caught off guard? We've not had in Florida a landfall hurricane in so many years. And in Jacksonville, yes, we've had some recent things like Beryl and Andrea. And they've dropped a lot of rain and have been a major inconvenience. We haven't had deaths or mass casualties or anything like that. But because of the lack of time that we've had since we've truly had a big deal storm around here, that the in-close storms, as you talk about, can really catch people with their pants down. Yeah, well, that's it's a it's a great concern. It's a concern of the National Hurricane Center. It's a concern of the First Alert Weather Center and, and all forecasters. And I mentioned it at the hurricane conference when uh, Craig Fugate and uh, from FEMA and Rick Nab from the National Hurricane Center, the directors, were doing a press conference, and I said, "Gosh, how do we?" How do we get people to understand the message and to be aware and be prepared and not try to scare them? Because that generally doesn't work. It's not our approach anyway. With so few storms recently, and it, it is a very big issue and a very big problem. So, yeah, we're very concerned about people being prepared should a storm develop and the lackadaisical approach more than likely that's going to happen to this hurricane season in, in the last few. And then you can even go back to 1999 with the mass evacuation from Hurricane Floyd. And people are still upset 16 years later about that evacuation that was just a mess. And Duval County says and thinks they probably might have that figured out, but we haven't had to test it since 1999. So, yeah, we're very concerned about a lackadaisical approach to hurricane preparedness. And what I say to that is you should just always be prepared for any kind of situation that might alter your everyday living. It doesn't have to be a hurricane. It could be some other kind of natural disaster or maybe even a man-made disaster. And if you've got some sort of kit uh, available and a plan for your family, You'll be able to incorporate that no matter what the situation. It doesn't have to be a hurricane that causes you a major inconvenience or worse for your home. It could be a lightning storm. It could be a wind storm. It could be a microburst. It could be a tornado or it could be something not man-made. Mike, is there one piece of historical data that worries you most? The one that, that is remarkable to me is that it has been 10 years, 2005. We're going on 10 years this hurricane season since Florida has been hit by a hurricane. That last happened Never. There's in, in recorded times, we can go back to about reliably about 1850. We've never gone nine years without a hurricane hit on Florida. That's a stunning statistic. Obviously, the stats are against us. We're all way overdue. It's it's um, cliche uh, to say we're way overdue. But if it's not northeast Florida and Jacksonville, Florida is certainly statistically, you know, you're looking at 04. Everybody looks at 04 and says, well, is this the new norm? Well, obviously it wasn't and it isn't, but that's what ends up happening. Mother Nature is all about balance, and so it's going to make up for lost time. It did in 04. It'll do it again sometime soon. We haven't had a Category 3 hurricane make landfall in nine years in the U.S. To go that long is a 1 in 177-year occurrence. So what changes might have been made in recent years that benefit our community in terms of timing of storms? Research has helped a great deal because of this rise in hurricanes in the last 15 years, you know, from 2000 to 2008 about, we had a number of tropical storms and hurricanes that we could glean information from. And so technologically, the First Alert Weather Center has First Alert Doppler HD. It's probably our most important instrument that we have in the First Alert Weather Center in forecasting a tropical storm and hurricane once it's formed. Now, we use forecast models to try to determine a situation where a storm might be developing. We could do that very well with Anna. I mean, we knew that storm was, was going to develop almost a week in advance. But when the storm is developing or has developed and is headed our way, first of all, Doppler HD 
far and away is the most important piece of technology that we have in the First Alert Weather Center. We can see inside the rain bands of these tropical storms and hurricanes, how high is the wind, how strong is the wind, what direction is that band moving or that cell moving? Are there tornadoes embedded within a band, which typically happens with landfalling tropical storms and hurricanes? Then take it up 30,000 feet from the National Weather Service here in Jacksonville to the National Hurricane Center. What kind of technology enhancements and improvements have come to make things better, to get a faster warning maybe out there, to better understand the impacts of a storm, whether it could be storm surge, rainfall, tornado implications? What's out there? Well, a couple things, uh, and, and you touched on one there, new hurricanes center products that are coming out this year i'll talk about that in a second but you know we now on about every storm that's that's developing if it's anywhere close to land it doesn't have to be the united states could be the caribbean could be mexico could be bermuda they're flying planes g4 jets into the atmosphere around the hurricane not generally penetrating the hurricane the c-130s are the planes that penetrate the storm take information and numbers and send it back but the g4 plane will sample the atmosphere around the hurricane for many 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 miles around that hurricane and that information is then dumped into the model data and that's what's used for the analysis for the model and that's huge because any model forecast is only as good as the input as the information that it has to start with and if we can have real-time data in the models to make a forecast that has huge implications and should make for more accurate forecasts both track and intensity so that's an exciting development and the national hurricane center has some new products out one is called the inundation map kind of long term it, and it's interesting when i talk to people what is the inundation map and most people don't know but really it's very simple and you'll hear us communicate it differently we're not going to tell you well gosh rich the inundation map says we're going to tell you okay the water forecast is for this to be three feet above the ground now that makes a whole lot more sense very handy tool though uh in a forecast for a landfalling tropical storm or hurricane that'll only come out when there's a landfall expected we've only had one example last year that was arthur around the fourth of july on the carolina coast did just seem to do pretty well and what the beauty of that will be that product will be it'll tell you how high the water's expected to be in your area Pretty close down to street level, not quite, but very close, close enough to be helpful. And it'll say, hey, we expect the water in this neighborhood to be one foot above the ground, three feet above the ground, ten feet above the ground. And so the implication there is obvious. So that's a new product that'll be out the second year of this year. So, Mike, how's your message going to change this season in the forecast you provide here on News 104.5 WOKV and also on TV? My approach is always say, hey, here's the situation. And what I like to try to do is compare it to past storms that we've had since... 2000, for example, because a large part of our population will be able to remember those storms. Here's how it's going to be compared to Francis, Gene, Bonnie, Beryl, whatever the case might be. Now, that's not perfect because some people have moved in since then. So then I'll break it down from there and continue to say, here's your, here are your impacts. Um, I've never yet had to say, since I've been in Jacksonville, I've never had to say that a tropical storm or hurricane is going to be so bad that you're not going to be able to function for, for days, for weeks. That's going to happen. And one day that'll happen. But so my barometer that I like to use for that is, hey, the banks or the grocery stores are going to be closed for a day, going to be closed for three days, aren't going to be closed at all. And to me, that's much more valuable information for the user, for your listeners, than saying, you know, there's going to be some heavy rain. There's going to be some gusty winds. That's very nebulous. So we try to be a little bit more specific. And certainly, as you might guess and, and can imagine, we will up that tone when and if necessary as to just how significant that storm is expected to be. 
see the new evacuation routes in your neighborhood, the quickest way to stormproof your house, and the new technology that delivers earlier warnings. First alert weather, surviving the storm, tonight at 7.30 on Fox 30 or at 8 p.m. on CBS 47 Action News. Tell us about you or your loved one's military tour, and you can get a pair of tickets to the Coke Zero 400 on July 5th. Five winners total with our grand prize winner, also getting passes to the Gatorade Victory Lane. All the details are at WOKV.com. It takes years for a harmonica player to master the pentatonic scale. Forward. Backward. <sighs> Mastering the acoustic blues takes years, but it only took a few notes to master depositing checks at a Chase ATM. Select Make a Deposit and Insert Checks. For an added layer of assurance, your check image can appear on the screen and receipt. Well, all right. Technology designed for you so you can easily master the way you bank. Chase, so you can. ATM deposits are subject to the funds availability policy. See a banker for details. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank N.A. member FDIC. If you or a loved one has been diagnosed with colon or rectal cancer, Mayo Clinic offers the most advanced treatment approaches available. Our specialists are highly experienced in treating all types of colorectal cancer, even the most rare and complex. At Mayo Clinic, you'll be supported by a team of world-class experts skilled in robotic surgery using the smallest possible incisions to treat your cancer and help you recover faster. Choose the best that medical science has to offer. Call 904-953-0854 or visit mayoclinic.org. WOKV Hurricane Special brought to you by Dimitri Insurance Services and Clay Electrical Cooperative. Now, here's your host, Rich Jones. It's a storm that horrified the United States. Images of people calling for help on the roofs of their homes or wading through floodwaters just trying to get help. Ten years ago, not only marks the 2005 hurricane season, one of the deadliest on record, but Hurricane Katrina as well, which changed the way the United States would handle hurricanes forever. Katrina began as a tropical storm before turning into a hurricane just before landfall in Florida on August 25th. It would then go back into the Gulf of Mexico, where it quickly strengthened into a Category 5 storm before eventually making landfall on August 29th in Louisiana as a Category 3 storm. Now, the Gulf coastline of Mississippi and Alabama were slammed by the storm with New Orleans getting the worst of it as the city's levee system failed. For survivors in New Orleans, it feels like Katrina was just yesterday. From Slidell to my front door, one big disaster picture after another. It was as if the entire city had been completely destroyed. I cried all the way to my front door. It was the most horrible experience of my life. Many residents were left without basics and were forced to live without water and electricity. You do what needs to be done. There were some shops open in the quarter, and I was able to get supplies there. And I made a, uh, I turned a regular cooler into a refrigerator. The total property damage of the storm is estimated to be around $108 billion, killing over 1,800 people, with roughly 80% of New Orleans getting flooded. Lost everything. I lost my job. I lost all my health benefits. I lost a lot of material things that 
could have been replaced and have been replaced, some of them, since the storm. But I lost something that I myself can't even describe. And that's a feeling of normalcy. For many longtime residents of New Orleans, despite the strides the city has made, they say true recovery could still be a generation away. This area where I live will never, ever be the same. Never. Kevin Rafuse, News 104.5 WOKV. Managing the well-being of more than 20,000 people and protecting billions of dollars in assets. Every year, Naval Station Mayport prepares for a possible storm. And this season, WOKV Stephanie Brown is spotlighting what that looks like and why it matters across the First Coast. It's a long checklist. We basically look at a timeline of roughly four days to have everything secured, everything moved, people into a safe location before the winds start. But there's a simple goal. Our number one mission for emergency management is keeping our people safe. I spoke with the installation emergency manager Steve Milliken in the middle of an annual drill that involves bases across the coast running through what would happen if a tropical storm or hurricane hits. While many of the 20,000 plus sailors and families would evacuate, the base still has to be protected and dozens of commands housed here need to run. Inside defense line, out Outside the fence line locally here in Jacksonville and then outside of the region where they can move to to continue their mission. So with naval intelligence protected, there's still the issue of the ships and helicopters on base. You're kind of vulnerable. You can't control the weather. Mayport's Command Master Chief Ross Kramer was stationed here the last time the ships had to sortie or go out to sea because of the storm in 2008. His ship, the USS Kearney, actually had to remain at pier because they were undergoing repairs. It was rough. We uh, snapped a couple mooring lines. We doubled up all lines. And the weather, the storm surge was so bad, we broke a few lines. It's inevitable there will be damage following a major weather event, but Milliken says that's not the priority. We'll deal with the property and all of that for reentry, you know, at a later date as the storm calms down and we can actually do a reentry and do our damage assessments. Uh, but we can't replace our people. Between staffing the ships, helicopters, and base, there will be families divided in the event of an evacuation. If a sailor's not good at home, he's not going to be good at work. Kramer says they spend a lot of time working out the muster or how the base makes sure everyone checks in. The most widespread response would be a full base evacuation. That hasn't been done since 1998. Stephanie Brown, News 104.5 WOKV. This morning, we're taking a closer look at your evacuation routes and what you need to know about leaving in case we do see a strong hurricane in our area this year, one that forces you out of your home. We're hearing from Linda Soden. She's the emergency operations director in St. John's County. She says no matter what county you live in, there's one key thing to do when it comes to evacuations. The most important thing is going to be when that evacuation order is given that you leave early and don't wait. And she tells us part of being able to leave early is having a plan of where you're even going. We always ask people to have a plan as to where they're going to go, how long it's going to take them to leave the evacuation area outside the zone. Whether you live in Duval, Clay, Baker, Nassau, or St. John's, there's really two directions you'll want to head when you leave your home, west or north, depending on the storm. And what we're trying to do is move people away from the storm surge that would be produced by the hurricane and have people move inland west and then head either continue to head west or to continue to, to go north. Stoughton says most people don't know this, but storm surge is the main reason evacuations are so necessary. 
Now, if you live in Duval County, the city of Jacksonville has three major routes they recommend you take. From the beaches, if you're trying to evacuate, you'll take either JTB, Beach, or Atlantic Boulevard through the downtown area to I-10 to leave Duval. Other parts of the county will generally travel through the downtown area onto I-10 as well. Now, St. John's Clay, Nassau, and Baker all have a similar idea. Head west or north until you're out of the storm's reach. And once again, Stoughton says once you made the decision to leave, leave early. If we're evacuating, everybody around us is evacuating. Sarah Thompson, News on 4.5 WKV. You get yourself and your family prepared for hurricane season, but the preparedness of one major organization on the First Coast directly impacts all of us if there's a big storm or hurricane headed our way. I'm WOKV's Annalise Delgado, and I have JEA spokesperson Jerry Boyce with me right now. And Jerry, thank you so much for talking with us. It is my pleasure. What is JEA doing to make sure that they're prepared in case a big storm hits? We prepare all year long for hurricane season. It's something that we don't wait until just right before June 1st starts. It's something that we look at. Uh, if we have any storms the previous year, we immediately start addressing some of the concerns or any issues we had with that. We look at different things. We look at different scenarios. We look at new employees and make sure that they have training. And we also work on our plan. Any improvements that can be made, that's when we do it through the year. And so say a hurricane did hit. What's the first thing that people should do if they lose power? Well, certainly the number one thing you can do is prepare. You can expect that if we were hit, and we know we've not been hit by a hurricane. We've had some brushes with some tropical storms, but it's been a long time since we've been hit by an actual hurricane. And what you need to do is have a plan in place. If we were hit by a hurricane, chances are you would lose power. And so what you would need to do is be prepared and make sure that you have things in place to deal with a loss of power. And don't forget, you could also have a loss of water and sewer services as well. You need to think about all aspects of your house and what plan you have in place. Talking specifically about JEA's service, should you use lose power, uh, what we'll probably direct you to do is during the height of the storm is not to call us. Our employees cannot go out because of safety purposes you know, high winds, uh, you know, lightning, that kind of thing, if we're in the height of a storm. And so what we're going to probably ask you to do during a major storm is not to call us until after the storm has passed. Jerry, thank you so much for talking with us. That was JEA spokesperson Jerry Boyce. This is the News 104.5 WOKV Hurricane Special, brought to you by Dimitri Insurance Services and Clay Electrical Cooperative. Hurricane season is officially underway. Trust News 104.5 to bring you the most accurate information. Be prepared and set your battery-powered radios to AM 690 and 104.5 FM now. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.